Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. All right, hey, well, if you have a Bible with you or if someone near you has a Bible to look upon, um, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today as we continue um, this series, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And what's so wonderful about this series, about this particular series that we're walking through, is that it is a sermon. And so for Chip and myself, we are literally preaching on what Christ preached about. And it is this wonderful thing that we're walking through. Last week, Chip opened us up with the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, and it starts in, um, with the Beatitudes. And Jesus has this, this almost provocative opening. And it's interesting because as, as, as someone who uh, preaches on a semi-regular basis, we're always looking for, hey, what's that cool opening we can grab someone's attention with? What's that cool illustration? And so in studying the Sermon on the Mount we're actually seeing how Jesus has decided to catch the attention of the crowd that he is preaching to. And he opens up with this beautiful, beautiful series of what we call Beatitudes. And what's interesting is that for us as Christians, we often think about and remember the day of Christmas and Easter. We remember Jesus' birth, and we remember the day that Jesus died, and we kind of forget or let kind of fade away everything else in between. But Jesus lived for 30 years. And part of that 30 years, he dedicated strictly to preaching, to sharing this amazing news. And so it's important for us now to not only remember, yes, his birth and yes, his death and resurrection, which are crucial. Please hear me. I'm not trying to understate those two events, but everything in between is just as important to the life of Jesus. In fact, I would say that the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus was not simply to make a way for you and I to one day go to heaven. Hear me, hear me when I say, the mission of Jesus was not simply to provide access for us one day to one day live in paradise. That was not Jesus' mission. In fact, I would say that Jesus' mission was to introduce the kingdom of heaven to this earth right now. It wasn't just this future thing, but it was a very present, very real thing that within the life of Jesus, he was introducing this brand new reality now. And so this is why it's so important for us to understand everything that is Jesus, not just his birth and death. And what's so amazing about this new reality is that it would be a kingdom, a kingdom that literally met people exactly right where they were. Not a kingdom that we have to go traveling to, not a kingdom that we had to fight for, but it was a kingdom that Jesus, by his very presence, was introducing to the earth. For those who might have felt isolated from this current reality, isolated from the strong and the powerful, and who desired something more for their lives. Now, without raising, without raising your hands, I would, I would venture to ask, who here 
desires more for their life, who isn't quite satisfied with what this current world has to offer, maybe what you have to offer for yourself. You are the person that Jesus has come to preach to this morning, tomorrow, each and every day. Because the fact of the matter is, because this wasn't some future reality that Jesus was one day giving us access to, well, it's as if Jesus was wearing a pair of 3D glasses. Work with me here. In this 3D this pair of 3D glasses, it wasn't simply these to have the picture around him pop out in a more vivid way, but these glasses that Jesus was wearing, these are not real glasses, by the way, these are just metaphorical, these glasses that Jesus was wearing literally transformed reality around him. The way that he viewed reality around him was completely changed because of his point of view, because of the lens through which he observed and experienced the world. And Jesus is inviting each and every one of us to also try these glasses on, believe it or not. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to see reality in the way that he sees reality. And it stands true for us today. The thing about it is, is that even as his people, even for those of us who call uh, ourselves Christ followers... We, always, we don't always choose to wear these glasses. We have them offered to us, and we sometimes put them on. We're like, wow, that's so amazing. But in the midst of wearing these Christian glasses, if you will, we often get nervous. We often become uh, a little scared that maybe with wearing these glasses, we're missing everything else around us. That in wearing these glasses, we're not actually seeing what could possibly be best for us. So we exchange the worldview, the glasses of Jesus, and we put on our own worldview. We put on our own glasses. We decide to do things our own way. Excuse me, way. Because we get so stuck on ourselves, we get so scared about not seeing maybe everything out there. Because the fact of the matter is, friends, today, even though Jesus is inviting everybody to experience this new kingdom, not everybody is ready to experience this new kingdom. In fact, Jesus isn't even talking to a whole group of people. In fact, he is singling out a particular group of people. In the beginning of this sermon, he is singling out a very specific group of people. And he's starting to list them out with these beatitudes. It was the group of people who had seen enough of trying to rely on the current reality, seen enough of them trying to rely on their own strengths and abilities. It was the group of people who had nothing left to lose in this world and everything to gain from a brand new kingdom. It was the group of people who were willing to quite literally lose everything so that they might experience the new reality of seeing God. So the question today that we have to ask ourselves, that I have to ask myself is, am I a person, are we a people who are willing to lose everything to experience seeing God? 
Are you someone today who is willing to lose everything in this current reality to see everything that God would have to show you? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. And in asking that question, we then answer if we're ready or not to experience the very present, the very real reality of seeing God. Are you someone who's willing to lose everything? And so today, as as grim as that might seem, today I hope to to, to show you, to, to walk us through how incredibly amazing it is to get to a point in life to lose everything to experience God. So this is where we are today. In Matthew chapter 5, we continue with the Beatitudes. We continue with what it means to be blessed in today's world. So will you join me in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 6. And it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that's where we're going to end today. These are the three verses that I want to concentrate on. These three particular beatitudes of what it means to be blessed for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, if we think about this, what does it actually mean to hunger and thirst after something? If you're hungry for something in particular or thirsty for a particular drink, it it, it is to strive after that, to have a particular longing. Now, when we're hungry for something, if we're hungry for a particular food, we're, we're not just going for any kind of food. We want that very particular food. If I'm hungry for a Krispy Kreme donut, a donut from the gas station isn't going to fill my hunger and desire for a Krispy Kreme donut. In fact, if I had the donut from the gas station instead of waiting for the Krispy Kreme donut, not only would I no longer want the Krispy Kreme donut, but the satisfaction just would not be the same because really a gas station donut is never the same as a Krispy Kreme donut. I'm getting paid for that commercial today, by the way. Um, And so we have to understand this, that as we hunger and as we thirst, it is a longing, not just for something in particular, but it is a longing to be fully satisfied, to be filled, as it says here in the scripture. It's a very specific desire to hunger and to thirst, to be filled, to be satisfied. And we are told in these verses that this is a thirst and hunger for righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but righteousness, if taken out of context, it can seem this, to be this very intimidating word. It's, it's got this connotation around it, this implication of someone who is overly religious, overly pious. It has this connotation of someone who would have this holier-than-thou attitude. Uh, for someone who is desiring righteousness, if I would say this out in the streets, someone might think that, well, you're just trying to fulfill a whole bunch of to-do lists. You're wanting me to be righteous along with you and your righteous attitude. It gives the impression of, I want everyone to be as righteous as I am. And we hold this mentality of self-righteousness. But what Jesus is preaching about right now is not that at all. In fact, 
This desire for righteousness isn't a focus on anybody else around us. This desire for righteousness is very personal. It's a hunger within our very self. I mean, to be righteous, let me, let me just walk us through this. To be righteous is to no longer stand condemned, to no longer stand judged. To be righteous is to be declared accepted. To be righteous is to have been given identity and purpose in a world that you were surrounded by. I mean, in the world around Jesus at this point in time, Jesus is preaching to a bunch of people who have been pushed to the bottom their entire lives, who have been pushed to the bottom being told that you are imperfect, you are flawed, and you are sinful, and you must fix yourself. And until you become right, until you become better, until you become perfect, the Messiah, our Savior, cannot come. And yet here Jesus is saying that's not the case at all. Because if you simply desire it, if you're at a place to where you, you just want to be accepted, you no longer want to stand condemned, you're tired of your own faults and your own failures, that the kingdom of heaven is a place to where you can be satisfied. Because here we have these people who are exhausted yet truly want to be better. They're truly striving after a life. They're saying, I just want to be accepted, but I can't be enough. I can't be perfect. I'm tired of striving after all of these things, trying to be enough. And Jesus is saying to these people, with the kingdom of heaven, you will be satisfied. Because being righteous is so much more than checking off a bunch of lists of rules. And desiring righteousness is so much more than wanting to check off a list of rules. Desiring righteousness is, is being able to recognize our imperfections, recognize that we are failures, recognize that we are sinful and flawed, and wanting to be better in the midst of it. Wanting to be righteous it's this desire to no longer stand condemned in a world. It's a desire to be finally justified. To be given a greater purpose and a greater meaning in the life and the world around us. And Jesus says it is in the kingdom of heaven that we find that and are truly and utterly satisfied. Where this hunger and thirst for this something very particular is satisfied. And this is an open invitation. It's an open invitation despite all of our faults, despite all of our failures, despite all of our sins in this world, we are being invited to partake into this very real reality. And it was so countercultural. I mean, think about it. For us, even today in this culture, we are told of all, the, all of the things that we can do to fix ourselves. And it sounds cliche, I know, but it's very real. And we, we, we say that we don't necessarily follow along with the, with the uh, self-tips and the self-helps and everything in this world, but let's be honest, we do. We're constantly thinking of the next thing that can make our life a little better, something to fulfill us to a deeper level. We're constantly doing this, whether it's conscious or subconscious. It's just in our human nature. The sad part is, as we continue to look to the world or even to ourselves. We are never satisfied. The world is never satisfied with our attempts to be satisfied. The world is never satisfied with our attempts to be satisfied. It's always desiring more from us. 
It's consumerism at its highest. We get addicted to the process of the next thing after the next thing after the next thing after the next thing. I would say that to go after things of this world, to look into ourself for satisfaction, to look into ourself for fulfillment, it's like, it's like going to salt water to quench an insatiable thirst. Not only does salt water leave us wanting more, continually going back to drinking more and more, trying to quench that thirst, but salt water actually is killing us in the process. And that's how it is as we go to the world and go to ourselves to find that satisfaction and fulfillment. It only wants us continually doing more and more and more as it continues to kill us more and more. But today, as we ask the question, are we a group of people who are ready to experience the kingdom that Jesus is introducing to the earth? If we can say, I am desiring fulfillment. I am desiring a deeper, deeper fulfillment in this world. If you desire acceptance, if you are someone here who says, I am tired of striving, I am tired of trying to be enough, I am tired of relying on my own strengths and abilities, if you are someone here who simply desires more out of this life, Jesus is saying, I have brought with me that fulfillment. I have brought with me that reality to where you can step into it right now if you desire fulfillment. That is the first characteristic that we describe today. In the midst of answering that question, are we a group of people who are ready to experience the kingdom of heaven? Do you desire something more beyond yourself or this world? And it's amazing. It's beautiful. But we continue. We continue with seeing what Christ has for us. We go to verse 7 now. Verse 7 where it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Just another characteristic of those who are ready to experience the kingdom that God would have for us. And in many ways, mercy, mercy is about equality. It's about the action of treating someone as an equal when they do not deserve it. This is mercy. This is what you and I have been shown, friends. Jesus has shown us mercy by lowering himself and helping us raise back up. In a world where we are continually trying to outdo one another, trying to raise ourselves up the ladder of success, the kingdom of heaven is about mercy. It's about equality, about lowering ourselves to be able to help lift someone else up back to our level. Not raising them up so that we can stand above them saying, look what I did, but it's raising them up so that they are now on our level. It's not about demonstrating superiority. It's not about making sure that they know that we're better or that they know we are right. It's about equalizing the playing field. And the kingdom of heaven is all about equality. I mean, if we look at this, this context, the culture in which Jesus is preaching, even then, even, even within the Jewish people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Jewish government, it was all about raising yourself up. It was all about being the next level higher than someone beneath you so that you could be greater than them. 
And the Jewish rulers of that day, they thought that the kingdom of heaven, they thought that the kingdom of God was going to be for the strong and the powerful and the mighty, those who were at the greatest level, when in reality, it was for the sinful and the broken and those who saw their own sin before they condemned another person's sin. It's not defined by hierarchy. It's not defined by the biting and gnashing of competition. It's not defined by passing someone on the ladder of success. It's defined by the extension of a merciful hand coming down and lifting a brother or a sister up and saying, you are my equal. It's where the sinner realizes their own sin before they condemn someone else's sin. It's where we realize that we've been shown mercy beyond mercy beyond mercy, and therefore we are led to show others mercy after mercy after mercy. The kingdom of heaven is out to solve this issue of equality. And friends, today, equality cannot be solved outside of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is inviting us there. Amen? Jesus is inviting us there. We all claim, we all claim that we want equality, yet our very nature keeps us striving for more and more. We say we want to be equals with everybody, yet we're continuing climbing the ladder of success, trying to see how great we can become. It's our very nature to, to, to live in inequality. <laughs> Friends, we aim to fix equality through a political system where everyone is trying to be the greatest. How does that make sense? We give the power to those who want to be the greatest so that they can somehow provide an equal level playing field. But Jesus is saying it is within the kingdom of heaven where mercy is shown and equality thrives. We say that we want equality for the unborn. We say that we want equality for the oppressed and for the marginalized. But how often are we actually willing to lower ourselves and be the person who shows mercy? I mean, think about this crowd that Jesus is preaching to. This crowd that Jesus is singling out in the midst of this wonderful sermon. It's to those who have been marginalized. It's to those who have been oppressed. It's to those who have never been at the top of the success ladder. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is for you. And you will be shown mercy. So we continue to go back. If we are asking the question, are we ready to see the kingdom of heaven? Are we ready to experience the reality that Jesus would have for us and every amazing part of it? If we can answer, I just want mercy, and I want to show mercy, I'm going to lift my brothers and sisters up around me so that they can experience mercy, then the kingdom of heaven is for you. But if you're someone who's like, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm going to keep on climbing the ladder of success. I'm going to keep on climbing the ladder of my own reputation to make sure that I am seen as great as possible. Believe you, me, Keep on climbing that ladder, but you will miss the kingdom. You will miss everything that Jesus has for you. 
if you desire mercy, to be shown mercy, to show mercy, you are someone that Christ is calling to right now. Someone that Christ is inviting to put on these glasses to see reality transformed around you. And we come to the last one for today. The last portion, this last beatitude of today in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Friends, let me, let me just emphasize here. This isn't something, these aren't things that we go striving after. These aren't things, again, we get so confused thinking, I have to be this, I have to be this, I have to be this. No, the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that meets us exactly where we are. But you have to look into yourself to say, am I actually willing to experience the kingdom of heaven? It begins with our decision of saying, am I going to see God for who he truly is? Or am I going to put my place, myself in the place of God? And so here we come to this last one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yeah, friends, this isn't about like saying, yes, I am perfect. Yes, I have fixed everything. That's not what purity is talking about right here. Because friends, in case you don't realize, we are all sinners. I am a sinner, you are a sinner. And so if we're going to go by this definition of what it means to be pure, to mean perfect, or that we have everything right about us, then none of us are experiencing the kingdom of heaven. So praise God, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the pure in heart. I would offer the argument that oftentimes we associate purity in the sense of having never made a mistake, that it's associated with this uh, unreal innocence, this almost naivety and ignorance. When we think of pure, we think of babies. When we think of pure, we think of someone who hasn't quite been jaded by the reality of the world, because if they had been jaded by the reality of the world, they certainly would no longer be pure. When we think of purity, we think, we think of children going running to their moms and dads. And so in many ways, we dismiss purity. Because purity can't possibly be the way to success because it's just too simple. Purity is for the weak and those who need a crutch in this life. But remember, let's remember who Jesus is preaching to at this point in time. It is to those who have nothing else to lose. It is for those who have nothing to gain in this world. It is for those who have stopped looking to their own success and had simply begun to see where God was in the world. They were truly seeking after something beyond themselves. It was for those who had not found a place in this world, who had found power and riches. You see, purity does away with self-success and relies on God's sustainment. Purity does away with self-success and relies on God's sustainment. The fact of the matter is, there were so many who claimed to be followers of God back in the first century when Jesus was preaching. They claimed to be the people who would point others to God. But the fact of the matter is, they were so consumed with themselves, they were so consumed with their self-glorification that they didn't even see Jesus for who he truly was. Jesus was raising people from the dead, and they thought that he was a counterfeit. I don't know how you can see someone raise another from the dead and not begin to question, hmm, maybe this person's actually telling the truth. But they were so focused on themselves, they didn't see God right underneath their noses. Purity is beginning to understand, like a child, 
that we have someone who is greater than everything else, who loves and cares for us in a way that we actually can go running to and not care who knows it. Purity isn't about perfection. It's not about innocence. It's not about being white as snow, for us at least. A pure heart is less concerned with self-promotion and more concerned with God's provision. Are we seeking after what God has for us? Instead of being the child looking for provision, so often we are like that resentful teenager who wants to do things our own way. And then we question where God is when we decide to do things our own way, then we get in trouble. Say, God, where are you? But we were the resentful teenager who wasn't listening to God to begin with, who, wasn't, who weren't seeing God to begin with. But if we truly desire to see clearly, if we truly desire to look beyond ourselves, beyond the mess of this world, we then can see the reality that is the kingdom of heaven. Because it's only through the lens that Christ offers us that we see God. It's only through the lens that Christ offers us that the invisible becomes visible. That not only do we see God in this world, but we see what God is doing in this world. That we see God's reconciliation and redemption and restoring of this world. I mean, can you imagine right now, if we were more focused on God's provision rather than self-promotion, if the world could grab hold of this, how radically transformed this place would be if each and every one of us were, was more concerned with relying on God's provision than our self-promotion, what would this world, what would this church, what would this church look like? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So friends, last week, Chip talked about this prayer of, Lord, have mercy Lord, have mercy on me. And this is the prayer that drives us to being humbled. This, this, this prayer that drives us to relying on nothing but God. And so today I would offer this prayer of, Lord, may you be enough. Lord, may you be enough. If you are someone who is looking to be filled, looking to be satisfied, if you are someone who is desperately looking for equality, to be shown mercy and to show mercy, if you are someone who wants to rest, to truly rest in the arms of a gracious and loving Father, who wants to see God clearly in the midst of the mess of this world that we live in, then the kingdom of heaven is waiting for you. Then you can say, am I someone who is ready to experience the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is saying yes, and he is inviting you there today. Because it's when the Lord is enough that we learn what it is to experience the filling of the kingdom of heaven. It is when the Lord is enough that we learn what it is to no longer strive after greatness, but to accept and to show the hand of mercy. It is when the Lord is enough that we learn that no longer can we go to ourselves for comfort and answers. But we learn that in the kingdom, we are enough. We learn that in the kingdom, we can be filled. And we learn that in the kingdom, We see God when our prayer is, Lord, may you be enough. Friends, today, I want us to understand that Jesus didn't simply come, be born, and then die on the cross so that one day we could experience that one day after all of this future uh, rumblings and stumblings in this world, 
He didn't just come to one day give us access to heaven. Jesus came to introduce to the earth through his ministry and through his life a very present and a very real reality that for those who want to be completely and utterly satisfied in him and lose everything in themselves, that they would experience the kingdom of God. Are you willing to lose everything so that you may experience everything that God has for you. And friends, today, as we learned last week, you will be blessed. Blessed beyond riches. Blessed beyond having a perfect family. Blessed beyond having everything right in the world. Friends, if you are willing to lose everything, to experience everything that God has for you, you will be blessed, and this blessed transcends all of your temporary circumstances. Friends, to be blessed in the Lord is much better than to be blessed by the world. The world only has you striving after more and more. You think you're blessed in the world now? Believe me, give it a few weeks, and you'll only want more. Maybe give it a few hours, and you'll want more. But when you are blessed in the kingdom, you are wearing the worldview lens that Christ wore. You were looking at the world as Christ saw it, and you see God and everything that he is doing so that we no longer have to wait one day for heaven, but you get to experience heaven now. Are you willing to make it your prayer, Lord, may you be enough? Lord, May you be enough. Would you pray with me this morning? Friends, Father, I thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for allowing us the invitation to experience you, to see you, to be satisfied in you. God, would you give us the courage to put on your glasses, to not become nervous or concerned if we're missing out on something, but to rely and trust that you have our best for us so that we may be blessed by you. God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room right now. I pray for your hedge of protection, that as we leave this room, as we leave this building, as we go out into our weeks, that we might have the courage to pray, Lord, may you and you alone be enough for me today. Would you help us see what you'd have us see? Would you help us hear what you'd have us hear? May we be filled by you. And we pray all of this in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. Pray. May the Lord be enough. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.